Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good lad. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. Question, how many Second Captain's podcast episodes can you fit into one day? Answer, well that depends on whether or not you're a World Service member now, doesn't it? We've already got our Monday football pod out now. That's available for everybody, of course. Your regular second free-for-all Monday show is this one right here. But our amazing members will also be treated to a post-match reaction podcast after the big game tonight. Manchester United against Liverpool at Old Trafford. That will be our Tuesday pod, which we'll release as quickly as we can after the final whistle this evening. Secondcaptains.com, if you're not already a member. There are some hot predictions on our Monday Football Podcast today. I think I might have gone for boring predictions, I would say. I know, Ken. That's, that's well, you went for 3-2. I went for 3-2. That was a hot prediction. 3-2 Liverpool. Murph went 4-0. 3-0. Ken went for the hot, hot score draw. Uh, I think it might be one all, one all draw. So you can get listened to that one anyway, and we will put the other uh, better things. We're also said on our football show. Uh, we should. Uh, we <laughs> yeah. hasten to add. Colin tweeted asking for a play-by-play breakdown from Ken of Anthony Joshua's post-fight speech today. So we'll, we'll see what we can do. Uh, for I'm sure most people have either seen it or heard a little bit about it. So fought this uh, fought this rematch with Alexander Uzik which was won on a split decision by Usyk. It was kind of a weird one because the, immediately afterwards, it was all, oh, look at these guys in the ring together. Usyk had, had gone down to his knees and Joshua joined him and they had this moment. This is before the result was read out. And literally, the commentator at one stage said, they will be friends forever. Um, suddenly, there's a change in tone after the result is read out. That is, the commentators are still just talking about how great it is mm. for Usyk and for Ukraine and there's, fireworks outside the stadium in the Ukraine colours and all that kind of stuff terrific to see you know so many bigger issues going on and all that kind of stuff but at this stage it, it, it seems like they don't initially notice what's actually going on in the ring which is that Joshua has hurled the belts out picked up two of the belts anyway and thrown them out of the ring then kind of st- well not even stormed out he, he's just looking kind of angry skulking around the ring he's then led out of the ring walks off heads down as though he's going to go down, the, down to the dressing rooms turns back comes back into the ring then has this weird face-off with Usyk where he, he explained, explains to Usyk that the skilled boxer should be the winner or something along these lines. And then he grabs a microphone. Look, 
If you knew my story, you would understand the passion. I ain't no amateur boxer from five years old that was an elite prospect from a youth, bro. I was going to jail. I see some hype little youths in Reading jail. I got bail and I started training my arse off. Because if I got sentenced, I wanted to be able to fight. I bust my case. But cousin Benga, where's he at? G14, raise your hand. I'm standing this Usyk, sorry. But it's because the passion we put into this Guys, I'm telling you, this guy, to be me, tonight, maybe I could have done better, but it shows the levels of hard work he must have put in. So please, give him a round of applause as our heavyweight champion of the world. Woo! I'm not a 12 round fighter. Look at me. I'm a new breed of heavyweights. All them heavyweights, Mike Tyson, Sonny Liston, Jack Dempsey. Oh yeah, you don't throw combinations like Rocky Marciano. Cause I ain't 14 stone, that's why. I'm 18 stone, I'm heavy. It's hard work. This guy here is a phenomenal talent. We're gonna cheer for him three times. Well, how many belts you got now, bro? Five. Hip, hip. Hip, hip. Hip, hip. Hip, hip. Hip, hip. And as I said, I was studying Ukraine and all the champions that have come from your amazing country, but I've never been there. But at the same time, What's happening there is, I don't know what's happening, but it's not nice at the end of the day. I've seen it with Lomachenko in his second fight against Orlando. There was unrest in Ukraine, right or wrong. There was issues in Ukraine in your second fight. There was civil war. Vitaly Klitschko, when he faced Danny Williams, civil unrest. Usyk as a champion, please raise your hand. Under them circumstances, he managed to become champion. Champ, champ! Champ, champ! Champ, champ! And I just want to say, Bismillah! Well, Ken, give Colin what he wants. What's your play-by-play on that one? Well, actually, by definition, it's not a play-by-play, seeing as that would have had to happen. During. During, live. Well, I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't understand what I was seeing there. On, I mean, I, it seemed maybe Joshua had, had sort of map, mapped out a basic victory speech in his head and that he was just he then lost the fight but then decided to give the victory speech anyway because he, he was sort of he, it was sort of had all this like you know don't forget about this guy you know so pointing to to Uzik uh, who was standing there looking a little bemused so bemused the more cheers he was getting the, the, the five cheers that he gets from Joshua and all and his hand being held up and this guy had to work so hard to beat me it says Anthony Joshua Uzik yeah. is just standing there going oh mate and by the way you've already you've already thrown Uzik's ring at um belts out of the ring and told him that he (laughs) wasn't really the winner of the fight and all that kind of stuff that was going on I do feel you know I saw the point being made I look, it's tricky. I feel a little bit sorry for Joshua. You know, it's yeah. like he was kind of, I don't know where he's going with some of that. Like when he was got, when he got to the Ukraine stuff, I was like, oh, I'm just looking at oh, it. Going, oh, God, no, stop. There. And he please nearly did. I think he actually there. did sort of cop on because it was going on and on and Lomachenko fought and then Klitschko fought and there was this going on and that going on. And at a certain Civil point, and rest and he did yeah. actually just cut himself short eventually, if that's not an oxymoron, where he just moved on to one final well done and then managed to get himself out of there. Mm. But I have seen it said since then that, you know, you sh- we shouldn't expect boxers of all sports people to have to, to actually do those post-fight speeches or yeah. although I don't think anyone interviews. did I mean he he, he, he didn't the he'd walked, like I said he'd, he'd walked away and, and then came back to just pick up the mic yeah. and start the, the other the other thing that made it slightly uh, strange was the the kind of lack of response of the crowd to almost everything that he said you know what I mean like the 
he was sort of saying things, and usually when someone is is making that type of speech, when they say things, you'll hear sort of the crowd responding. He got, he got a bit at the start, and then after a while, I think they were there was this like, kind of silence. It's, like it's, we, it's, it's Uzik's moment there. We don't get what's going on, going on yeah. here. So, yeah, yeah I don't know though. Just a, sorry, just on that point about uh, that I raised myself there about whether or not boxers should even be to- talking after fighting in these kind of events. I don't know. I mean, like, it probably is unfair to ask them to do that. At the same time, it's. I don't think in all the in all the issues that you could have with a sport like boxing, the words that they have to speak after the twelve rounds of punishment, I think, is kind of missing. You're kind of burying the lead there a little bit, you know. It's, it's like yeah, I mean, uh, they're, well, they're, I mean, they're, they're, you know, it's it's easy to be uncomfortable with the actual nature of the sport, as I sometimes am when I'm watching it, and I, I'm being I don't want to be hypocritical on either because I still do watch boxing but it is one of those things at, at times we've talked about it on the show before you, you you wonder like really is this is this something I should be comfortable watching but I don't feel that uncomfortable necessarily with them having I don't know, the post-fight in- interview is just an add-on which sometimes actually can provide pretty good entertainment as well Murph yeah it would be a, a pretty bizarre place to draw the line you know I, I've got a major problem with this uh, sport that involves uh, multiple sub concussive uh, incidents in uh, yeah. over the courses over the course of 45 minutes and for that reason we should stop them doing post-match interviews the the, the problems uh, go a little deeper than the post-match I mean this wasn't even an interview this was just a kind of uh, uh, a stream of consciousness in a, in a lot of way and unfortunately uh, it veered into just a, a million different conversational cul-de-sacs, basically. It was funny with Joshua. I, remember, I think it was the Ruiz fight. I'm almost certain it was the Ruiz fight when he was beaten. And I remember listening to him afterwards, after that fight, and thinking he seems strangely relaxed about the whole thing. It was it was the opposite of last night. It was just he seemed almost weirdly calm. Um, and this time it was the exact opposite so you know there's no mm. I guess there's no right way to react to losing a, a world heavyweight title fight there are a number of wrong ones and that was one of them yeah I do feel slightly slightly sorry for Anthony Joshua but we will leave him there to introduce a different character quite a different character definitely a very different tone to this interview with Ftem Gide the Irish athlete who moved here from Eritrea a number of years back, he is representing Ireland and produced a fantastic run yesterday to finish sixth at the European Championships. Here he is talking to David Gillick after the race. How did the race go? It was a little bit slow, a little bit fast, but you hung in there. 500 metres to go. You just got dropped a little bit, but you, you really got up to that point. I like to challenge the people because the first 5K was comfortable for me. Just this opportunity for me to practice for next time. This is the first time. I'm so grateful for next time to get much better. The important for me, you know, every race I'm improving. That's big deal for me. Yeah, nice, uh, nice stuff there from G'day, who produced a great performance. Murph, this guy is quite a backstory. Yeah, he uh, arrived in Ireland from uh, Eritrea, as you were saying, in 2017, and got selected for a European cross-country team kind of a couple of weeks after his nationality was was finalised. But he had spent, uh, I think it was six months in total, travelling from Eritrea to Ireland via a series of refugee camps, including quite a spell in Calais as well. Mm. There's a great piece uh, the week he was picked for the Irish European Cross-Country um, Championships by Eno Reardon in the Irish Times. And uh, once he arrived, he went to the Lakeela uh, Secondary School in Terrellstown in West Dublin, uh, from there into Clonleaf Harriers, 
and within a couple of months of arriving in school, he had won an Irish school's cross-country in uh, Waterford, lapped the entire field in May 2018 to win the senior boys 5,000 metres at the Leinster Championship since Antry. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of an amazing tale. I mean, obviously, we watch these World Athletics Championships and we there there are sports tourists there, to use kind of a kind of a loaded phrase, you know, athletes that run for countries that they've spent very little time in or no time in. Uh, there has been a bit of that going on. But for Gede, his life in Ireland has been, it's its a miracle that he's here and it's been an amazing kind of journey to mm. last night for him. And, you know, when you consider that he's only 21, I mean, the the ceiling for this guy, uh, you know, we, we don't know where the ceiling is. For, it seems uh, for to be. Yeah, there, yeah. there was a moment you're thinking he could be in with an outside shot of a medal here, which would be absolutely, absolutely mad. But he was dropped then towards the end still finishing 6th though in the 10,000 metres which is a hell of a unbelievable for him. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah yeah brilliant performance we did get a couple of medals uh, I really enjoyed the European Championships I have to say a couple of medals for Ireland since our final podcast last week Mark English with a really good bronze in the 800 metres there yesterday and Kira McGeehan as predicted by Carl Denny on the show last week came away with a medal she got silver not a million miles away from pipping the red hot favourite either and Muir goes and McGeehan's in position to follow her and then now he's got caught a little bit now this is going to be very significant and a vindication exactly as we enter the final lap of McGeehan's tactics of making sure she covers everything that Laura Muir does so now he, a real danger for a medal here looks like she's got a lot of ground to make up because with every stride Laura Muir has been tracked by Kira McGeehan and we've rarely seen this at European level. Five gold medals for Laura Muir at European level. She's never been challenged like this before. And it's Laura Muir with 200 metres to go. And Kira McGeehan is in the silver medal position. And surely she's got a medal sewn up here because the gap back to the pack is 20, 30 metres. Just keep it going. Kira McGeehan, literally, at this moment, the gold medal is a possibility. Now Kira's got to make sure that she keeps the momentum going. No lactic acid at this point, Kira McGeehan. All the way to the She's going to get a silver medal. A brilliant, brilliant silver medal for Kieran McGeehan. Muir takes gold and a wonderful silver for Kieran McGeehan. That's how they called it on RTE. Kieran McGeehan, who is one of those athletes who's had some amazing highs and some fairly crushing lows and has always talked quite openly about them. We've had her on the show uh, on a few occasions and she's... It's just so great that she's back on top now and so confident as well. She really, she really nearly won that race. You know, it was there was a, yeah, there was a moment that you thought she could do. Then just down the home home stretch, I kind of felt you, you could see the the moment that she realised it was probably gone because Muir had just seemed to have pushed ahead too far. And at that stage, she's kind of looking at Muir and she's looking at the big screen. And I presume she's thinking about the people behind her. But that was literally only the last hundred meters. For the rest of it, she was absolutely going for the win. And by going for the win, it turned out. It used to really piss me off when I watched the the uh, Mo Farah, a lot of the Mo Farah victories. I don't know if you can think back to those where nobody would race the guy, you know, because mm. they knew they were, they decided that they weren't going to beat him and he had them all beaten in their heads. So they'd all trot around for a few thousand metres. Then he just turned it on for the last 400 or 600 and everybody knew he was going to be the fastest over that, but nobody wanted to take him on or try to push the pace uh, and stretch things because they were worried then that they would end up with no medal, which, you know, I guess is, 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 how a lot of people would think about these things but I love the way McGee just said no I'm going to go for gold and I'm confident enough in where I'm at now and my strength my conditioning all that kind of stuff that even if the gold doesn't happen I'm not going to be beaten out of the, the gate for a medal and she ends up with a really well deserved silver yeah so, and well you know and, and Muir is obviously a, a world class athlete and yeah, Kira McGee was 
knackered at the end, at the finish line, but Muir was absolutely spent. Uh, and like the, in in ways that was nearly as evocative a scene as as Kira McGee's own celebrations at her silver medal. Just the to two see of them how, lying there on the tracks, holding hands and all that stuff. Holding hands, yeah, 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 yeah amazing. Yeah. But just just to see um just see how absolutely goosed, as Mark English would say. Uh, Laura Muir was at the at the finish line. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was. It, she gave it a hell of a rattle. If you're not going to beat the red hot favorite, at least make the red hot favorite absolutely. Yeah, earn it. Spend every last ounce. Yeah, earn it. Yeah, basically. Uh, just one note of caution on all this, though. Uh, after quite a successful games for Arden Cole, then he who I mentioned earlier, has a nice piece in the Indo. Well, not, not so much a nice piece, it's a very interesting one about, it's based on the sports minister, Jack Chambers, who you can probably imagine is reveling in all the achievements and talking about how, how great a lot of these achievements have been over the last week. But Carl points out that the system at the moment is unsustainable, that uh, hoping our athletes can compete with professionals while offering amateur levels of support to the coaches. So this is not, not about the athletes so much as the coaches. He says in gymnastics, rowing, swimming, the coaches of Ireland's best are paid professionals. In athletics, they usually work full-time jobs, then traipse to the track every evening. They have kids, wives, husbands, etc. Um, but why are we expecting our coaches who operate at a world-class level to continue? And the only support we offer is a pat on the back. He compares it to the situation in New Zealand, for example, where they apparently have 13 full-time professional athletics coaches who receive a wage of €50,000 per year. After the week we just had, Jack, that's a sorry state of affairs, so what are you going to do about it? That's the Cahill Dennehy uh, piece today, which is worth worth a read. At least I got in touch with some inspiration for a new instalment of... Good Clean Fun with Pat Kenny. I should be on Pajan Raj. <laughs> Anytime the weather turns out like it is today, I think of one song and one song only. It comes from The Love and Spoonful from the mid-60s and it's Summer in the City. Hot town, summer in the city, back of my neck getting dirty and gritty. Oh, uh, there you go. That's uh, <laughs> good clean fun with Pat Kenny. Yeah. How clean is it though? You know, that the back of his neck is getting dirty and that's gritty not, there. That part is not clean. That, uh, that's and we should enough. all just linger for a moment on the image of Pat Kenny getting dirty and gritty. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system.
It's a beautiful summer's day. The breeze is stupendous. 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 Would this podcast be even more stupendous without ads? Without ads? Ads. If so, then join us for daily commercial-free shows at secondcaptains.com for just five euro a month. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not bumping them up. I'm not Irish. I'm just saying my observations. They are amazing. Stupendous. Murph, are the... Are the Dublin hurlers about to get dirty and gritty under their new, the watchful <laughs> eye of their new manager? Wow. Odd, you continue to amaze me. Mm. Uh, well, I don't know how dirty and gritty they're going to get, but it is a very good appointment for the Dublin hurlers. Uh, All-Ireland winning coach, Michal Donoghue, of course, and there's not that many of those out there. Uh, the news was uh, released just like in the last hour or so. Uh, and he had not been, his name had not been bandied about in the process until boom this news arrives like a bombshell on a monday afternoon and he brings basically the exact same backroom team that he won the all ireland with that's what i was going to ask yeah 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 no that just that is i think it's obviously key you know and that was yeah a big, the, he, he's he's one of those managers he's very i think he's quite quite kind of quietly spoken right he doesn't come across as yeah like some intercounty yeah. managers might, and you kind of, which doesn't mean that he's not a really good manager in his own right. But I think he'd be the type of guy who's a, who'd be very much of the you've got to pick smarter people than yourselves in the backroom positions kind of guy. Yeah, so Franny Ford is a really highly thought of uh, coach, and he's coming with him. Noel Larkin was the third member of that Galway backroom team in 2017, and the, the three of them are very good buddies. Have worked uh, very closely together uh, for years. They're going to be joined by Shane O'Brien from Kula. Uh, who has managed Westmead and will take charge of the Dublin under-20s, according to Sean Warren in the Irish Times today. And yeah, it's it, see, Dunne is kind of, a, he's an interesting character because he's he is, like, reserved to the point of, not even, mm. he's not even surly, but he is just, he is just a very reserved character. And for whatever reason, the thinking has coalesced when it comes to the Dublin hurlers that what they need is a Messiah Anthony Daly type. And Michal Dunne is not that at all. Um, but I also think that Dublin hurling is bigger than that now, and this idea that you need to, um, you need to give it to someone like Davy Fitzgerald, someone who will, you know, a, a person, a person of that kind of outlook and mindset, where it, it has to be like you know, like a like a, a bomb exploding in the Dublin dressing room, you know, like a total sea change. I mean, they have a lot of good hurlers. It's all, it's actually a case of just harnessing that as opposed to looking for sort of like the the miracle cure from outside. So, I think. That element of it nearly is 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 almost the most interesting. That there's a job of work to be done there, but it doesn't need, you know, a charismatic cult figure to to try and coalesce what's going on in Dublin hurling. It actually it actually just needs someone who will continue the work of Matty Kenny, another goalie man uh, who had been in charge there for the last four years. So it's a three year term. And I saw something very interesting on Twitter today. David Connors of the Tomb Herald was tweeting that Darren Gleeson of Antrim will be the longest serving manager in the Leinster Senior Hurling Championship next year, having been appointed in 2019. Henry Shefflin, Joe Fortune, Darry Egan all took charge in 2022. 2023 will be Derek Ling's first year and it will also now be Michal Donoghue's first year as well. So after Cody, new brooms everywhere in the Leinster Senior Hurling Championship next year. All right, that's it for today. Thanks, Murph. Thanks again. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Thanks Owen. Thank you, Kieran. Thanks for listening to the Second Captains Podcast, which is part of the ACAST Creator Network. You can sign up now to the Second Captains World Service to hear the pods ad-free and indeed to hear our Manchester United-Liverpool post-match reaction show later tonight. Take care. What is that?
That's the second time he's gone off. Never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports is important. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 